I didn't really know what a, a furry was until I actually ran into the orcs crowd. Uh, I, I missed that generally, generationally. Uh, <laughs> but uh, over the last couple of years, I've become somewhat familiar with the, with the concept. That's a hell of a generation gap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I remember the first couple of times I was hanging out with those. Like, people were like, w- Wafu, and I didn't know what that was. And, and waifu? Waifu, yeah. Waifu. yeah, yeah waifu. I, I knew what a waifu was. your favorite breakfast. No, I knew what <laughs> I, I, no, <laughs> And I had a wife, you know, and I was just trying to figure out what was going on. But yeah, I didn't know what that was. I didn't know what Afari was. I didn't know what Venmo was. Like, there was, there's a bunch. <laughs> it's in the same category. <laughs> All the same thing. There's a bunch of things. No, like, there is some stuff over the last two years that I, you know, <laughs> hanging out with people who are 15 years younger is definitely like you know help, help me adjust to the modern world well i can i can be certain that furries have been around for more than two years uh, <laughs> they, they, i don't think they were out in public well oh no they i mean i i did i was in high school in 2000 like there was furries like let me tell you <laughs> I, but by that time i was like a working adult and i i wasn't you know the the hippie crowd didn't run with the furries i you know we were furry <laughs> oh, we were furry in our own way there's like, crossover it, it's, <laughs> it's definitely crossover ne- there. never met never met the hip the furry hippies beyond the the obvious i mean mm. I, you know, I, I mean, I, I was pretty furry, like hair wise. I've but... seen the, I've seen the fro. It's legendary. <laughs> it is. God, it's good. Yeah. So I was, I was my own kind of, yeah, that's the kind of furry I was. I was the deadhead. I was the deadhead furry. There you go. That's a thing. So you're a little rainbow bear. Yeah. <laughs> that's a little, little dancing bear. Exactly. Cool. Uh, is there any fuck yous you want to put out there? <laughs> like some people are like, Hey, I just want to give a shout out to my, no. Is there anyone in particular? You're just like, Hey, you know what? Go fuck yourself. Yeah, I, th- I think my I think my employer would frown on on me answering that question. Um, well, you've already answered it by <laughs> specifying who would be upset. Um, and uh, you know, historically, I've 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 had my grudges, uh, but uh, but no. The, these do, you, da- do you want to pull in some legal counsel to make sure that well, you're not te- stepping on any toes? Well, well the, I mean, these days I, I get to say "fuck you" for a living. Like I actually, oh, sp- I spend my days brawling with people, living so the dream. I, yeah. So I, so yeah, I get, yeah. Fun fact: courtrooms are mostly just rap battles. <laughs> I wish. Oh, a legal structure that's oh, governed like trial by combat is a rap battle. <laughs> I am in that. I am in that lore. You'd be you'd be surprised what goes on in, you know, in the settle what we call settlement rooms. You'd be you'd be surprised what goes down in there. <laughs> Uh, I would like to call to the stand a surprise spitologist. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck yes. Um, The other ones were, I think there was one that was like, is there any like vices you had as a child that have definitely carried over into your adult life? Well, Uh, Uh, D&D. If you classify it as a vice, I'm a little uncomfortable. It's it's definitely a a safe answer. (laughs) But ask my wife about my miniature collection, and I think it's pretty pretty clear it's a vice. Um, Yeah. And uh, no, I, I think uh, I'd say all my vices have carried over. I, 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 I actually think that's that's part of consistent. Uh, it, it is no, that, that is a hallmark for me. Is is um, ca- carrying through. What would you say is the most childish thing you still do? Mm, that's D&D. a good phrasing. Uh, <laughs> uh, um, well, so for example, when I'm feeling awful, not not sick, but just sad and miserable, <laughs> so most of the time, um, I will make myself some macaroni and cheese and a glass of chocolate milk and watch cartoons because there's just something about that retrogression that just feels so satisfying. See, that, that's what I would do if I wanted to really punish my toilet. Like, <laughs> I would die for 48 hours if I ate that combo. Thing clogs up and you're just like, oh, you son of a bitch. I'm making oh, the cheese. No. 
No, it's seriously. Like I'll, uh, when I was a kid, I, I loved watching football and I'll still do that all day Sunday. I loved Star Trek and I'll still zone out to that. I loved D and D and, and I loved the, the Grateful Dead and the things that came around with it. And I still do all of those things. But are they childish? Those are mm. things that adults do just as much, if not more. Well, now they do, but <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, well, welcome to D20 questions. Uh, where we'll teach you that uh, excessive use of life drain among corrupted undead is white privilege. Hmm. <laughs> Unforgivable. Uh, my name is Law, and I put the errata in erotica. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my name is Zach, and I have the half chocula template. Hmm. He's a blade of chocolates. <laughs> exactly. Uses their power to hunt them down. Exactly. And with us is a very special guest, legendary patron of the Slapdash Patreon, and a longtime friend, Dave Mladenov. Hi, I'm I'm Dave Mladenov, and I believe that initials are destiny. Um, well, what it what is it that you're doing right now? Like, what are your things? Like, uh, we're obviously talking about D and D stuff, but tell us who do Dave is. Give us a little bio. Uh, well, my name's Dave. Jesus, his life story. Great. Here we, here we go again, <laughs> right? Uh, and um, I'm an attorney. I'm a rules attorney. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. And uh, I'm a, one of the dungeon masters at Orcs, 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 which I know that people have listened to the show uh, have heard about. And I work on the publishing arm, uh, the archives as well. And uh, editor supreme, a fucking machine of editing, a syntax golem, like <laughs> absolutely <laughs> unbelievable. Um, and, uh, I have, uh, I have a daughter, Serena, who I'm, I'm dragging into the hobby mm-hmm. one, uh, one D 20 roll at a time. And that's, that's probably about it. That's, that's all the time I, uh, I have out there. <laughs> sure. Sure. Well, uh, what was your first experience with Dungeons and Dragons? And this one's going to probably predate any of our free former guests, but not to not to put you in a box. Yeah, well, back in the day before television existed, well, before, before furries cable. and Venmo, <laughs> it was definitely before cable. It was 1978, um, and uh, I I'd already been playing tactical war games like the Avalon Hill games mm-hmm. and uh, I didn't have anyone to play with because my parents didn't want any part of those crazy games and so I'd play games against myself which was not that much fun for, for <laughs> war gaming and uh, I remember that one of my grandparents I don't remember which one was was ill and my parents had to visit them a lot and in order to keep me occupied at one mm-hmm. point my, my parents just handed me the original uh, basic box set the one with the red dragon on it yep. And uh, I'd opened up a lot of boxes at that point with the war games, but I literally have mm-hmm. a distinct memory of that box landing in my hands. And before I even opened it, I knew right. there was just something about the art. And I know looking back, that art is not anything particularly great mm-hmm. uh, on its own. But before I opened the box, before I even turned it over to see what was on the back, I, I knew that there was something in that box for me. And uh, I, here I am. Well, you know, the benefit of transitioning and get away from war games is that you don't longer have to deal with Matthew Broderick. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's the real way. Or was Nicholas Cage in that? Or I don't that, think no, I'm thinking so. of God of War. Yeah, uh, Lord of War. Lord of War? Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, <laughs> no. Nicholas Cage in God of War? <laughs> no. Playing Kratos? <laughs> oh Nick Cage as Kratos 
Oh, uh, fuck my life. That sounds so good. Obviously, I'm real bad at movies. <laughs> <laughs> the only way to win is not to play, right? Yeah, yeah. There you okay. go. Uh, let's see. Oh, nice. Nicely done. Nice. That's not true with D&D. No. no. <laughs> the, 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 the only way to play is not to win. <laughs> that's, that's, that's really <laughs> true. Exactly. That is apt as fuck. There's nothing worse than somebody walking in on a D&D game being like, who's winning? And you're yeah. just like, I can't. I don't. Or you come home. It's like, how was D&D? It's like, well, we won. <laughs> good good well, doing I, it right yeah i did i actually remember going to a few tournaments though back in the day back in the mm. early 80s where there really was a competitive aspect to D and and yep. I, I remember uh when i first met angelo one of the other orcs dms uh, we were talking about this kind of stuff and i mentioned just randomly D tournaments and he looked at me like what are you talking about and a lot of the original modules, if I'm not mistaken, were actually tournament <clears throat> modules, like Tuma Horrors, I believe, and I think White Plume, that were actually written for specific competitive tournaments where players were given, there was like a, po- a rubric, a point matrix, where if you completed this quest or if you did this thing or however many gold you got, you'd multiply that and get this many points. Well, they were born into the con scene. Like that was yeah. when they were released and that's like their play test, that, basically. That's exactly right. And you would actually get a score and, and players would be compared to each other at the end. So I have this standing belief that it would just be great to see like a YouTube channel or something like that where people mm-hmm. play different games and at the end you tally up their scores but you keep a running tally of all the scores regardless of what their point systems are ah. so it's like this guy's got 19 <laughs> stars three of those stars are from this completely different game where stars mean a completely different thing right and so you're just like and you're just like and you're trying to like quantify like what each one is relative to the mm-hmm. other like what the exchange rate it's is the meta score like converting rings from Sonic to Middle Earth exactly. is like way different <laughs> <laughs> uh, I got this one ring though yeah <laughs> oh exactly Exactly. Um, How has that not been an animation already? Like Sonic picking up the one ring on accident and then just ooh. going all full Sauron on it? Jesus. What would, I don't, I'm not going to get into the Sonic <laughs> verse. That's a deep rabbit hole. <laughs> well, one thing that I know about you as being both a very, very smart lawyer and a D&D master is that you take a lot of uh, analog notes. Like you're you're a pen and paper kind of kind of person. And you, you know, you can't corrupt a file if it's written in a notebook kind of thing. But uh, we were don't crash. You did uh, a lot of different really fun games, which we're going to dip into for sure, because one of your things at Orcs is that you definitely come up with some very unique themes for the evening. Um, But one of them in particular pulled you into an AMA, uh, which (laughs) on Reddit, which is really outside of your wheelhouse. That's ask me anything. Yes. Yeah, I didn't know that, by the way, until until that happened to me. (laughs) Wait, who am I fighting? Uh, so tell us a little bit about the game that prompted it and how you handled the AMA because it was a good it was a good tale uh, awkwardly I believe and and with a with a lot of assistance from Daniel Pickens Jones mm-hmm. who understood what what that acronym meant and and how to get onto the to the Reddit um, uh, that's Daniel Fogwolf Pickens Jones for right. people who watch the, or listen to this podcast. episode two <laughs> I think like three episode three, three. Yeah. right yeah well I um I, uh, I have no social media presence at all on on purpose um it's it's actually one of the few good decisions I've ever made in my entire life. And I'm sure your uh, daughter thanks you for that. Uh, yeah, well, she, well, yeah, I can't follow her or unfollow her or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's on her own out there in the digital wilderness. But um, I really am very pen and paper oriented. The theme was um, May Day, I believe. That's right. Yeah, it was uh, May. May Day. And so when I heard that... Uh, the, the holiday or the... the, the it was SOS. the month. Just okay. the, the Just month. Well, see, I heard SOS. So everyone when at Orcs, when there's a theme that's sort of agreed on or, or foisted upon us everybody is left to their own devices on how to interpret it. Mm-hmm. And when I heard Mayday, I was thinking nautical. <laughs> I'm, thinking, I'm thinking nautical. <laughs> totally <laughs> nautical, dude. Um, that sounds like a Long John Silver's ripoff of the Army. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking nautical. I, I was. 
So we play frequently at Game Night Lounge, and I'm always looking for a way to incorporate sort of the environment where we're playing into the game. And the month before, when I was sort of pondering what I would be doing, I came in and I realized that Battleship was on the shelf. And when we were setting up for the April game, mm-hmm. I sat there and played some Battleship. And I thought, boy, this would this would work. And um, so I had my sort of, a, at that time, I had a regular group of players who would come three or four times, one of whom, Brian, is now one of our new DMs. We, I just whipped out this, uh, in the middle of the game, I whipped out this uh-huh. battle. <laughs> you, gotta, you gotta give me a noun here. <laughs> yeah. <to> go anyway. <laughs> the, 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 I set up a combat, a ship-to-ship combat. The way I decided to run it was basically by playing Battleship. And I had tweaked the rules a little bit. And so I had my little kit of battleship set up, and the players had theirs, and we were shooting ballista and catapults back and forth, you know, in our right. It was a, it was a cool way to like tangibly track like where they're actually shooting it. Exactly. But the funny thing happened was when someone took a photo and posted it to Five E Reddit at that moment. Yeah, yeah like so during like, the game, like, like minutes after it happened, and it went huge. It was one of the top D and D posts of the day. Yes, yeah, so there was some guy who just walked behind me, or or a girl, I don't know, and they took a picture over my shoulder of me with the battleship set, and the players kind of looking all geeky and and next thing and i had no idea this was going up online until someone texted me i think veronica maybe texted me probably there were 10 or 11 12 thousand views or likes or whatever whatever it was you realize this is going online right yeah you know well i don't know i don't know how to find it i know it's going somewhere (laughs) but i'll never be able to get to get to it and so not getting the money out of your patreon (laughs) (laughs) uh and well, that was amazing that I actually figured to how to, how to sign even up for that. Um, but yes, we uh, we quickly decided after we it got past ten thousand likes or views to uh, to do an AMA, mm-hmm. and it was advertised on the proper channels. And we called in some of the other Orcs DMs who were familiar with Reddit, and they cross posted it and. I sat there in Daniel Pickens Jones's room. Uh, with, That's right. You with, did it in person with Pickens. With some like, he was like hovering over your shoulder. Well, yeah, because I didn't know. How, I mean, I couldn't even figure out what you know how to click on anything. And he he he, <laughs> he he fed me and he gave me some liquor and we answered some questions and 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 it, it ended. Uh, and uh, oddly enough, just a couple of weeks ago, my most recent Oryx. Yeah. I was asking oh, players, right. which yeah. I do every single time. How did you hear about Oryx? And usually the answers are you know pretty straightforward. Uh, I heard about you on Facebook or something. And this one guy said, I saw that thing on Reddit about the Battleship DM. It was one of you guys. I was like, yeah, that, that was me. And so that was the first person who I, I know for a awesome. fact actually signed up and, and paid to play because they saw that weird post. So good. And out there, that's just free info for you. Like, seriously, like take some board games and incorporate them into your D&D stuff. It's super, super okay to do. Well, I read the comments, you know, that other people made below that post. Sure. And a lot of people were actually coming up with really creative ways of either using Battleship or other board games. The challenge is to use like guess who <laughs> i mean to be fair we actually also had the idea with uh keith uh, uh but keith baker where we were talking about the idea of like a candy land like yes, the, the, the exactly. sugar punk oh man i want to do that more more board game incorporation mm-hmm. clue it, it was the orc in the dungeon mm-hmm. with the it's sconce always the orc in the dungeon <laughs> that's no mystery but yeah i like i and i've definitely run even some murder mystery type of games that you know it's hard to run a murder mystery in a building and not reference clues somehow right so here's a question since you professionally are a lawyer um that is your full-time gig and you're super law smart <laughs> i've gotten to like just listen to you talk about stuff and it's very exciting but You've been playing D since you were just a little kid, and you've had other careers that are very different from that. How has D and D kind of followed you through these careers, and kind of expressed like what some of them are? Because you got some stories, dog. I do. <laughs> I do. Well, um, definitely D and D led 
I'd say pretty directly to to law, although I didn't realize it. Uh, Obviously, the, yeah. Well, the pun, <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, true. There's gonna be a lot of law puns <laughs> in this one. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, just like everybody else who's ever played the game, I spent a lot of time uh, learning having sex. That yes, definitely. There was all, there was definitely a lot of not that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so much none. <laughs> Uh, but I spent a lot of time reading, carrying around rule books and learning how to open up to the right page and reading small print and then arguing about what those words might mean and then trying to coming up with factual situations that weren't contemplated and figuring out how to apply these complex rules. And this was for fun. This is before I was a lawyer. Sure. This is when I was like 10. Well, I like how you're bragging about the ability to read small print and open <laughs> to the right page and like literally just after being able to saying that you couldn't figure out what you were doing on Reddit. Just, well, I, oh, I, how, how, well, how the mighty have fallen. Well, you put it on a computer, I have no idea, but you give me a book and I'm, I'm good to go. Right. Um, also communing with Satan. That's an important right. trick. Yes. Yes. Well, that, that, that also was part of the lawyer. That was that was when I got into the bar. Um, I actually <laughs> didn't even realize that Dungeons and Dragons was anything except summoning Satan. And now. Right? Yeah. So anyway, I mean, I did that all growing up and it was it was at the time just a hobby. And when I was uh, getting towards the end of college and I realized I had no actual skills uh, of, of, of any kind. Been there. Yeah. No, I mean, like I couldn't I can't do use anything with my hands and and I'm scared of blood and, and I didn't like money enough to become a banker. And there was, you know, no, no real artistic talent. And and uh Someone along the way told me that basically if I wanted to stay in school and not have to do anything real, I could become a lawyer. And I, I didn't know really what it meant, um, but it sounded three more years of school sounded real good. Sure. Um, I had no idea what I was getting into. I did well in the tests and got into the school I wanted to. Once I got there, we started getting lots of books with fine print and arguing about what these rules in these cases meant of course there's another thing that you have done with your life that i want to talk about a little bit because lawyering is interesting and, and a very fun transition from DD. but let's lawyering is a thrill but assuming yeah well du during late high school and, and college uh, i i have no musical talent whatsoever at, at all and that was literally how i got involved in the music business was mm -hmm. because i you know, I, I love live music, and, and in order to get closer to it, I realized I, uh, that the only way to do it was to get on the business side. And so I started working with a, a band when I was in high school as a sort of manager and promoter and roadie and whatever whatever else was needed. And I was fortunate enough over the next five, six, seven, eight years to meet a bunch of people and be in the right place at the right time. And I, uh, I got connected with a bunch of musicians who ended up becoming pretty famous and was lucky enough to, to be there to see it and also to be invited to go on the road and, and spend some time with them. And that was actually what I meant to be when I when I went to law school. I wanted to be a music business lawyer, but sure. that didn't work out that way. But, I mean, as we all know, that if you actually want to get closer to live music and you have no musical talent, you just become a drummer. <laughs> a, bass, a bass player. <laughs> a, bass player. <laughs> a bass player. No, you, you got to be careful I with feel that. like every like few years it shifts as who we're supposed to dunk on for the oh, band. Man. It's always just between those two, it's, though. It is, no. It, it's that the, or the oboists. Yeah, no, the, the poor oboe, rhythm yeah. section, but it, it, it really are the bass players. They're they're just guitar players that couldn't cut it for the most part. Right. <laughs> You're allowed to say that. You've you've been on the scene enough. Uh, well, yeah, and also I'm not a musician, so they can't come back at me on this. He just doesn't know. Yeah. I'm not going to sit here and try and dunk on Giddy Lee or anything like that. Like just, I'm just going to not talk about anything related to music. Right. Was there any kind of crossover between like D and Was there like tour buses that D and D was played on? Like, is that a thing well, that came up? Yes. Uh, I, I the the bands that I was with uh, were uh, were were too enhanced for the most part to be focusing on D&D, &D, but... Too enhanced. I, yes. Gotcha. Uh, po you know, different potions and, right. and other alchemical goodies. Uh, 
But the um, I did get to meet the uh, the people in Guar, right? Uh, one of the roadies for uh, the Spin I'm Doctors. Pretty sure there are no people in Guar. Oh no, <laughs> <laughs> just eight foot monsters. <laughs> they they were behind those masks. They were avid D and D players, and mm-hmm. uh, we actually went to out no with one's them. shock. <laughs> we, <laughs> we went out one night, and I thought I was you know hanging out with this crazy metal band that squirts stuff all over people and <laughs> we end up spending the whole night doesn't narrow it down at all <laughs> <laughs> no i mean they really squirt stuff uh, yes. we end up spending the entire night talking D uh and they told me that they played constantly on their tour bus um i have a good friend uh in blues traveler who uh who came up and played at level leader with that's us. right and hell of and, a handshake that one and yeah well he's, he's been a D player his whole life and so yeah they're out there well, tonight it's been kind of traditional for us to talk about what we've been drinking in the last few episodes. So tonight we are drinking uh, Dalmore 12, which I believe is a space side, if I'm not mistaken. If my it is. years in the liquor industry haven't failed me. And I got my hands on my favorite beer of all time from Belgium, Guldendrak. Uh, and it's a, just a really good 10%. It's a nice combo. Perfect. I feel like we need a brief golf clap for the pronunciation there. It was just and oh yeah, right. I'm not even sure which is the chaser, right? Like that's a good point. <laughs> They're both very su- sweet and very potent and uh, expensive. A little bit, yeah, yeah. It's gonna last me a while. I got a case, and I'm just gonna drink a bottle every like four months. I'm very much the <laughs> half gallon of Evan Williams type of person because that's what I can afford. Um, oh yeah, me too. This was a, a treat for me. Um, but I want to. I would. I'm gonna share every bottle I open. That's just how I roll. Oh, make no mistake. I am. I am the broke ass bitch here. Uh, I have been treated to everything: beautiful Chinese food, fantastic liquor, and the only thing I have supplied is my own dumbass voice, a bunch of equipment, and a place. We're all a team here. It's a team. It would be rough without the place. Yeah. It'd be super rough to just talk into like Mike's not hooked up to anything too. Like what a what a waste of time that would be. Well, like it, it's so hard to not ask about like the things that have changed with D D because you've been doing it for so long. Like you've seen all the additions. You've like are there certain things you just like miss so much that have, aren't there anymore? Are you pretty much happy with the new lay of the land? Well, I really like it both. Uh, I um, I will say that when I got back into the hobby a few years back, I had no idea at the time about any of the streaming or the live play, anything like that. And that's something that just blows my mind. And I, I think there's. Uh, I think there's pros and cons to it as far as the historical perspective. I obviously sure. it's it's brought a lot of people to the hobby and it's great to have people who watch D&D the way that I grew up watching sports for example. Um but one one thing that maybe I I do miss is or maybe that that's just changed a lot is they go. The um <laughs> <There you> go. <laughs> Well, the the prevalence of the streaming and the celebrity DMs has sort of homogenized it a little bit, the, sure. the hobby, in the sense that now people have this kind of uh, what they believe to be an objective expectation mm-hmm. about what good D&D should look like or should sound like or should be. Sure. And, uh, you know, when, when we started, we didn't have any – there was no – like Gary Gagas wasn't playing on TV, right? You, you know, sure, yeah. like you, everybody was responsible for making up their own game. And there was a lot more, I guess, freedom to do it the way you wanted and not have somebody go, but that's not how I saw it on TV. I feel like we're bringing back our greatest hits right now. <laughs> Are we? Yeah. Like the whole first three episodes were literally just I thought this sounded just... pretty familiar. Yeah, yeah. No, but that's, that's not your fault. Uh, it's just a rich vein. It's hard not to tap into. Yeah. And my analogy for that has always been like, well, like there used to be like cooking shows, like even like mm-hmm. 40 years ago, that was a rarity. And they can't be like, well, fucking... 
uh, you know, Marti- Mario Vitale, like he's ruining cooking for the rest of us because he makes it look so good. Like, are we not supposed to cook our friend's dinner anymore? Uh, absolutely. What is one mechanic that you miss from the old D&D? Yeah, just a, something from the book. Boy, that's a good one. I'm sorry for the pause. Um, <laughs> I, it's such a good question I wanted to think about. I can uh, literally see you like turning pages in your head. Like. Funny side note, sorry for the pause is actually our furry podcast that we do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so <laughs> tune in. Yeah. Um, I th- what I what I miss is that we used to roll the dice first, and that's the character you got. Right. In other words, you'd roll your scores, mm-hmm. and you couldn't just play a monk uh, or a bard. You'd have to have some crazy rolls to get there. Yeah, and uh, that it was it, it wasn't uh, you weren't able uh, as able to tailor your character from the beginning you had to kind of just go with what you got see and i've always loved the idea of like random ass characters where you're just like i don't know what i'm gonna the, do <laughs> or whether the scores were good or not and you know you came up with okay an extra d6 for this or whatever but you would roll strength intelligence wisdom dexterity yeah. just down the line and then you'd look and say oh i guess i'm a wizard yeah at that point the stats were the yes, character ex- it wasn't a character with that stats. that's correct i guess and, i'm a oh town drunk got it yeah cool, great. <laughs> yeah so i i miss that a little in in the sense that now everybody can just come in with these preconceived notions and you have a whereas before before, you had to be ready to play whatever it was that the fates decreed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you end up with just like 10 human fighters, it's like that's the way the cookie <laughs> that, crumbles. That really was. I hope you don't have 10 people at the table. <laughs> Jesus. I had nine. In, my, in one of my big campaigns in high school, I had nine players. Which I was looked... going to say, that seems like that harkens back to an older time too, where like like eight plus wasn't that unheard nope. of. We had nine for a long was time. desperate. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, there weren't that many DMs and uh, and there was no, people couldn't just watch it on TV It's basically like Footloose, you know. <laughs> you get one dance floor, everyone's going to show up. That, that's that's what it was. Um, Complete with John Lithgow yelling at everybody. Yes. That's my kind of DM. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Could you imagine John Lithgow running a game for you? Yes. <laughs> I could imagine that, actually. Oh, fuck. Well, if we're going to talk about the olden days, I'm going to pull out a history check. I just have to, and it's a good transition. Okay. So, uh, in the 1980s, there were four artists who revolutionized Dungeons & Dragons visuals and fantasy art as a whole. Uh, Their unmatched paintings are found on the covers of AD&D modules, Dragonlance novels, and peppered through the pages of adventuring rulebooks. These artists are Clyde Caldwell... Keith Parkinson, Jeff Isley, and of course, Larry Elmore. They were full-time painters for Dungeons & Dragons team. They were cranking out masterpiece after masterpiece in a shared studio environment. I mean, there was other famous artists who were involved. There was Daniel Horn, Tony D. Terlizzi, and Brahm. But there was another artist whose name was listed in many, many books and featured in a lot of original D&D artwork, and that artist's name is Jack Fred. And their style seemed to magically combine the traits of all the four legendary artists, but it was considered less refined, kind of sloppy. And uh, their life is a complete mystery. Nobody knows what they even look like. And the reason for that is that Jack Fred doesn't exist. Uh, During the D&D boom of the 80s, these talented artists would have to shell out painting after painting. And there were times when the deadline came before the completion. And sometimes the artist, Larry Elmore in particular, had to submit pieces that they weren't happy with. Once they felt they could have done a better job on or used more time on. And Elmore used a name that he made up while playing with his kids named uh, Jack Fred. And from then on, when an artist for the D&D team didn't feel like their name was worth this lesser piece of art, they would sign it as Jack Fred and they would step in. And that remains a name credited on many, many books throughout the 80s. Okay, so Brom, you mentioned Brom. I actually didn't know uh, that he did D&D art. Yeah. Do you know why I didn't know that? Why? Because I know Brom first as an author. Uh-huh. Did you ever read The Child Thief? No, is this the same? I'm, this is probably the same person? I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's yeah. an artist. Yeah, okay. I found out after the fact that he's an artist. And they did uh, Planescape, I want to say. I don't remember. It was either Planescape or Dark Sun. But, but Child Thief 
is amazing. Hmm. It's, and don't get me wrong, he's not like an amazing author, but the concept is brilliant. Hmm. It is the story of Peter Pan reimagined as a, as a gothic horror. I like that. Basically, that Peter is this immortal, and he steals these children to fight a war with what he calls the Flesh Eaters, ah. which are humans who live in the world of Fae, who by necessity had to eat the Fae to live. And they have become corrupted by it. And it's a super fucking good. So if you want like a really great high concept fantasy that maybe isn't like the best writing in the world, it's a great fucking choice. I like that. If you if like what class do you think Peter Pan is like? I almost want to say he's like a warlock, but like what's his patron? Like there's the impulse to say rogue. But that's just such a lame ass answer. Because yeah, he's, he's kind of like swashbuckly, but like not at all. Like, yeah, not, I mean, it's, it's funny because he fits into so many categories. I almost feel like Bard Warlock. Bard Warlock. Like Bard Warlock mix. There's like, a little Bard to it. I could see that. Well, especially with the swashbuckling and things. I'm mm-hmm. thinking Sword, like Sword College or whatever. What, what the fuck is that called? Yeah, Sword College. Or, or Valor College or whatever. Well, there's actually a Sword College too. Pact of the Blade. Oh, yeah. there you go. Yeah, sure. Uh, and then Pact of the Blade. And he, so he's just got that little dagger and he's like, this is this is it. <laughs> this is the whole thing. I like the idea of like a patron though that's like made up of like childlike wonder. So like the more imagination and stuff involved, the more powerful you really get. But that's a great thing about That's actually a good one. That's the great thing about Child Thief, though, is it's actually uh-huh. based off of actual Celtic uh, fey mm. lore. So it's super fucking, like, interesting. Really great book. Creepy. Yeah. But no, like, that's actually a good question. Like, who who is, like, if you look at all, like, the Disney characters, like, the classic Disney characters, mm-hmm. how many of them can you just easily be like, okay, this is obviously a paladin. This is obviously a fucking, you know, whatever. Well, the nice thing is yeah, none like of Mickey them... Mouse? Like... <laughs> <laughs> Well, not that kind of classic. Talking about the full-length movies, probably, but yeah, it's it's a difficult conversation, but it's one that I would love to argue over. Like that's the thing. Like there's a lot of them that could go multiple ways, but it'd be fun to. Because I don't think you can really give a class to like Goofy. Well, Mickey was a wizard. I mean, he was the sorcerer's apprentice. Oh, he right? did a lot of things. Like he drove an RV too. Like it's not... I would argue that he specifically failed to be the sorcerer's apprentice. That's true. So... Well, <laughs> a lot of ones in that one. <laughs> he, 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 don't hold it against him because he rolled badly. I mean, I mean, he learned how to make constructs really fast. Yeah. <laughs> yes. he, he learned how to use magic item very quickly. Yes. So, I mean, don't knock it. Right. This is why uh, in a lot of old games they had like level prerequisites for using powerful magic <laughs> items. It's because of Disney's Fantasia. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. That's all. That's all. Hey, everybody! It's Law. Thanks for listening to this episode of D20 Questions. And thank you very much to Dave, who we interviewed, for being so understanding about how long it took us to get out. The timing was rough, but he was a fantastic guest, and we are delighted to have him as our friend. Good news for D20Q fans, we have a bevy of fantastic interviews coming up in the next few weeks. So you can expect a pretty regular release schedule for the upcoming episodes. Me and Zach, and hopefully a few of the members of the Slapdash team from the League of Ultimate Questing, will be at the Burning Cat Convention in Portland come May 16th and 17th. We'd love to have some fans of either show come say hi at our booth. We'll bring some new people for us to try to win over. Check out SlapdashStudios.com to look at all of the Slapdash content, listen to new episodes of League of Ultimate Questing, and if you're feeling entertained to the point of generosity, you can become a patron to gain access to D21 side, where the interview boxing gloves come off and are replaced by a very sexy pair of interview 8-inch stilettos. That is to say, we have a really fun time and we don't play by your rules, society. (laughs) Speaking of society, you can buy ad space right here in the middle of our episodes or personal messages or if you have any fuck yous you really want to get out there made public. That's enough out of me. Let's get back to the interview. So... 
your nickname around town is, of course, the rules lawyer, because that's just funny and it makes sense. What's your take on actual rules lawyering? Like, do you want it at your table or is it something you just fucking hate? Well, I, I do, actually. I, I love the rules and mm-hmm. uh, I'm going <laughs> to. You should see Zach's face right He's now. He's very job of the hut. And if I'm going to try to present the game around the rule set, uh, if I get something wrong, I really want someone to correct me. Sure. And uh, likewise, if I'm if I'm at the table, I want to be able to correct somebody else. But I'd say very firmly, if I ask you for a correction, give me a correction. If I'm just trying to get the goddamn game going and somebody interrupts the flow of the game to correct me on a tedious rule that at best might change one minor result, I'm sure. just going to be like, why? Right. What? Who, who's, who was served in this process? And the answer is because it's on page 183. I feel like there's definitely a time and a place. And it kind of changes the dynamic when you are a part-time paid DM like mm-hmm. us. And that doesn't oh, mean sure. that doesn't mean I think that you should like favor the players by because they gave you some money before the game started. But it does mean that there's almost like a, a preconceived contract and that everyone's going in knowing that this is the rule template. So unless you have like a little session before the game starts and talk about all your or all your homebrew stuff, everyone's expecting a certain thing. No, it's kind of weird to absolutely, and and if I, especially at Orcs, when maybe you're drinking a little bit and, and <laughs> a little bit, you know, <laughs> maybe you, you know, you skip something or like you, you you forget that a half orc has <laughs> relentless endurance or whatever, right? You know, like I I, I don't want to rip that player off, and I'm. I'm generally people aren't generally aren't rules lawyering in the DM's favor, uh, no, and not <laughs> once ever. So, so I'm and and because I want them to have a good time, whether it's my home game or uh, at at Oryx, I, I don't mind that at all. And in fact, I I'd rather that happen than afterwards be sitting home and going home in the Uber, going, oh, I can't believe I forgot that thing where the you know he he had sure. that that spell cast and I didn't give him the benefit of it. Well, don't get me wrong. I, I think rules are important, but I think their only purpose is to facilitate fun. And the moment they start to impede fun then you're really just kind of bumming everybody out totally yeah, i have fun talking about rules so. oh that's good <laughs> well you know pick, pick your group you know pick your group make sure you got the right people absolutely and there's also like this preconceived thing in many ways where like if someone follows the rules very strictly sometimes people kind of give them the bad rap of being like afraid to like color outside the lines mm. that's not necessarily all each always true it's just like they might be in a mood to be like i'm gonna respect the book first. i don't think you can color outside the lines unless you know where the lines are you that's know true. otherwise you're yeah. just coloring yeah yeah uh that's a good line <laughs> well say okay so my issue is the people who tend to be most obsessed with the rules it's not mm-hmm. necessarily that they're unimaginative but it's that they care so much about them that every every choice they make is is colored directly by the rules that they're sure. looking at which is why you get like these awful min maxers where the character where they're all they're trying to do is break the break the system and i'm yep. like look i get that that's fun for you it's boring and awful for everyone else it really is and there's like a dangerous slope too as a dm too where like if you you i mean there's obviously like a level of rules that i personally feel like you should definitely kind of stick to if it's like a pre-agreed like we're playing five five e or something but like being forgiving sometimes is totally good but then there's a, a degree where like if you start going too far you can't go back right. like at this point it'll come up where it'll be like well three sessions ago you let this person do this thing and it was outside of the rules and that's that's never going away um it, it kind of creates an expectation with the players you set precedent yeah no I'm, again coming yes from, exactly coming from the war game mentality where the rules were the game and the game was the rules i still have that in me when i'm playing D, but at the same time if a player asks for something or comes up with something or I see that there's going to be a way to have fun it's not that I'll break the rules but as a DM being sort of 
omnipotent in the game. It's actually like a game for me DMing too, is like knowing what the template of the rules is. And the player says, I want to do this thing. And I'm like, okay, Let me... I will put together right. how this works within the mechanics that, of the rules. That's exactly right. That's I desperately exactly right. want to see like a clip or something, mm-hmm. like just an online sketch of a bunch of lawyers trying to play D&D. And they're like going full on with like objections <laughs> and shit like that. And be like, uh, well, can you set precedent? And they're like, yeah, uh, you'll recall back in this session at this yeah, specific flipping time. Flipping back on like, the notes. <laughs> like, yeah, and, and, <laughs> someone brings in like the wrong edition book and be like, show me in this book where it says I can't use this book. And then at the very end they go, what were we doing? (laughs) It's like, I rolled a one. Next turn. (laughs) Uh, That's my, uh, that's my kind of joke is like the the 20 minute build up for just a blip. Okay, we're done. Oh, especially, I especially like the idea where it's like, okay, fine, I'll let you do it. I'll do it. Just roll the fucking dice. Oh, it's a five. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Moving on. I mean, part of it is, is my real job as a lawyer. The rules are not suggestions. You know, you, you, you don't get it. Well, now. (laughs) How much money do you have? (laughs) Well, uh, I I didn't say you couldn't buy points. Um, (laughs) I I just said that, you know, the, the rules are rules. The reason you hire lawyers is to find ways around them or to craft them in your favor. And so I look at rules lawyering more like I look at lawyering lawyering, which is, you have the preset rules, mm-hmm. but where are the penumbras? Where's the gray area? And what can you do with those rules to, to reach an advantageous result, either for you or for the players? In real life, character creation is point by. Right. It's true. And if you don't <laughs> min-max wealth, then you're just fucking up. <laughs> well, I mean, lawyers are there to min-max for their clients. I mean, right. like, you, you, well, you ask any criminal defense lawyer about uh, taking pleas and mm-hmm. uh, what, mm-hmm. what, what to do when the prosecutor's coming at them. And uh, or a tax lawyer, uh, you go to a tax lawyer, you're not asking them for them to come up with a creative tax solution. You're looking for a minimum one. Right. (laughs) Well, another good thing that is incorporated with like rules lawyering and and things like that is charts. Yeah. (laughs) Hold on. Love me some charts. Is there a charty party coming? I think I think I charted my pants. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So how would you like to roll some dice for me? I would love to roll some dice. So I assume you know how the percentages work. I've, had to exp- <laughs> I've literally had to explain it to I've somebody. done this before. Yeah. So we're going to do is we're going to roll two. Before you were born, We're going to roll friend. two sets of 100. And one of them is going to be on a list of quest prompts from random D&D authors. And the other one is going to be a list of party conversation starters. Did you just say since before you were born? What yes. kind of flex is that? Like I've been slamming hundos since you were sucking tits. <laughs> it's just- hey, man, it's not bragging if, it, if, it's, if it's factual. <laughs> Weird flex, but okay. Zero four, man. All right. Straight four. Mm. Okay. And then the next one. 93. 93. Alpha Omega. You are going on the ends of the spectrum. All right. Dryads fight to preserve their forest against an encroaching human settlement. And what do you think is your perfect weekend? <laughs> that, that, you just answered that question. So the, the, no, this is a movie trailer. A bunch of dryads. I mean, this is weekend at dryads. Okay. Like this is. Can I just say it, it bugs me how so often in all of these like you know fantasy media mm-hmm. how that you wander into the fae and then like universally the hero always wanders back out again. Like it's no big fucking deal that you just yeah, yeah. you just like tasted the ultimate fruit of You're, all life. And why not just stay? You, who the fuck? Who yeah. leaves? No. Like, well, it depends on your fae wow because if it's like a shitty fucked up chaos realm where you're constantly being treated as a puppet no but with the dryads like i might want to hang out for a little bit before you leave right (laughs) especially if you have you make it to a grove i'll fight the humans okay (laughs) i'll get some bark rash i'm just wondering who exactly like how dryads act okay so your first thought is okay crunchy hippies like seriously granola crunching full-on dreadlock like Mm -hmm. they're gonna ask you if you're vegan and what your fucking sign is the the second you meet them right? right but like 
what about past that? Do you think they have anything to say? Like you, you invite them to a party. Are they going to be able to hold a fucking conversation about anything other than trees? Well, they're kind of bound to like their tree. Like part of their their nature is that they don't get out much. Like they've got like the red rider fucking like wagon that they're dragging behind them with this big fucking tree (laughs) as they come into the party. Yeah. They had to uproot it just to come to your birthday party. (laughs) You're you're generally going to their house. Yeah. Uh, um, They don't make house calls. No. How far can you get from your tree before you just die? Like, what's the what's the Venn diagram of, like, how far you can get from a tree before you, like, get into the other dryad's territory? Like, where do you hang out? Can you borrow somebody else's tree? Is there, like, is can there, you, like, You a, definitely can't borrow someone else's dryad. Is, I mean, is, no. Can you file there, paperwork to shift trees? Right, or is there, like, is there, like, a tree Uber where it's, like, if you jump from tree to tree to tree, you can get, like, you can get there? I don't know. Or just, like, shove your leaves full, like, pockets full of leaves for a minute. Can you get, like, an hour of free time? Like... <laughs> But how are the humans interacting with you? So there's a group of humans. They're going on a vacation. Maybe this is like a camp camping trip for like they're just setting up their tent or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they enter a druid grove. They're like going on like I don't know a bachelor party or something. Right. What is the what is the uh, the second half of this film then? Well, it sounds like a fucking Netflix horror. Um, it does. <laughs> or maybe sci-fi at worst. <laughs> yeah. Is it horror though, or is it comedy? Well, they're fighting the human encroachment, right? It would uh, you would ass- or just deterring them. See, it's a hard question for me because anytime somebody says is it horror or anything, my brain goes right to horror. Right, well, c- camping is horror for me. I mean, well, just, it- just the idea. I mean, the idea of camping itself. I'm already terrified. Right. It, it could be horror. It could be comedy. It could be porno. You want me to sleep in a bag? <laughs> yeah. Go fuck yourself. Wait, there's no roof or toilet? Like, this is, I mean. The, Nature is your toilet. The, see, I imagine. See, I am, the dryads would not like that. See, I think I think some, some random schmo pinching one off on the tree of life would be just enough cause for them to lose their shit. Right, right. But like I said, it could go. It could go erotica. It could be comedy. It could, it could be like Tucker and Dale okay, versus well, the Dryads. How about like a Freaky Friday, a Freaky Dryad Friday thing, where the, the the Dryads are trying to go back to the material. Like they're swi- they're switching places with the humans. Oh, they're trying to like like trick them into binding themselves to. Yeah, a tree. exactly. Like, ah, you're a jackass. And then grab no, you're a grab the six pack, and I'm out of here to the material plane. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> you're bound to a tree. I, I, now there's one of those things where I have to think of the name of this movie before the episode's over. Oh, of course you do. It's just how you do. Uh, I usually do okay, but <laughs> we'll we'll move away from that. High and dryad. That's not bad. That's not bad. That might be better than anything I can come up with. Anyway, um, <laughs> die with the dryad. Well, we got to roll some dice, and that's always a treat for me. <laughs> Literally one or two rolls. That's mm. but that's four dice in total. There's so many so many potential things. One day we'll have a D thousand chart. It's gonna happen. We we had one. Yes, the magical fumbles at the live show. <laughs> um, so I would like very much if you would take a minute to tell us about Fey Jam. Speaking of the Fey Wild and Dryads, well, and also the the unearthly combination of sports and mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. and D and D that's on brand with us. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, so yeah, one of the adventures that I ran uh, for March Madness a couple of uh, years ago, and again the. The cue was March Madness, or the theme was March Madness, and most people took that in some kind of uh, eldritch horror way. There was some Lovecraft stuff going on. I heard that, and I was like, well, i got to do a basketball game. 
Um, and so I created a rule set for 5e basketball, mm-hmm. and uh, <laughs> there was a uh, it was the NAACP. Yeah, there was the uh, the national the, the never ending contest of antagonists and. Yeah, I can't remember the whole. Yeah, um, and uh, we, uh, but I came up with a relatively developed rule set for actually playing basketball. Mm-hmm. And at first, it was kind of a goof. And the more I did it, the more I realized it actually was working. Working. Jesus, there and needs to be a crossover there. The the yeah. players play against monsters, and so I, I picked out five monsters. I and got to name them. I was delighted yeah. Law helped me a great deal with the name. Uh, Which is your favorite one? Snot Rocket Williams. Oh, Snot Rocket, the goblin <laughs> named Snot Rocket. Yeah, it's not, or, or Thick Greg. Yeah, Thick Gregory. <laughs> The, the, the ogre center is thick Gregory, and and there's Dirty Greg, the Cincinnati Meffet. Oh, um, the, the Cincinnati Mud Meffet. The Cincinnati Mud Meffet. Um, and, uh, and, of course, Webbs McKenzie, the drider, uh, oh, yes. power, the power forward. Um, and uh, Jesus Christ. Yeah, and Aloysius One-Eye, the, the orc eye of Grumsh. Uh, You're going to have to let us license this so we can run a session. Well, it really does. I made him a map. It really did. Well, Law made me a great map, and uh, we we have a game where I make the players wear magic sweatbands and uh, headbands in, in real life. Uh, I mean, in real life, they're not magical, but they're, right. we're, they're wearing We're getting, we're getting disappointed. I was so goddamn excited. <laughs> yeah. and, That's um, an R&D right now. <laughs> the uh, and it's I've run it a handful of times and I've never before in all my years of DMing had players actually standing up and like chest bumping and high fiving and screaming and I I wear a ref shirt and I blow a whistle uh, <laughs> you, know, you know during the game and it actually Jesus. is uh, it it's so much fun to DM because I'm I'm really hamming it up and also because it's like a game long skill challenge in a way because there's no con- you're not allowed to do any damage and right. and so the entire game is figuring out how to use spells and skills without doing damage in a way that scores you basketball points. And we've had some incredibly cinematic stuff with halflings running up the ogre and dunking and balls of darkness and grease spells and fairy fire and it, it god that sounds fucking cool it was really fun i got to play test it it was a delight there's I, a lot of spells out there that you don't normally use in D that all of a sudden get real good on the basketball court i want kip and storm to fucking announce for that shit. oh i would i would pay for that and, and, and <laughs> one of one of my dreams and and granted i'm dreaming low here but one, one, one of, <laughs> that's the only way in my in my what, life what one of my dreams is to actually have a PvP game because it's always been me playing five monsters against five individual players. Oh, yeah. We talked about that for like an orchestra. I really want to do it because I, I will ref the game because I know the rule set. Uh, and if we could have five players playing against each other... I, I honestly think it would be incredibly fun and it would bring a competitive aspect totally. to D&D that you don't have in terms of... You would actually have a winner and a loser, uh, for real. Uh, and I, it would allow people to create characters that are based for the game and uh, plan it out ahead of time. You know, you you could pick your team and, and specifically uh, put put it together. Design and, a logo, like yeah, all this fun stuff. Exactly. And, and, and so... And then of, at the end of Phage Jam, the, the coach of the player's team is a... Is a mm-hmm. uh, leprechaun and i have a bunch of lucky charms marshmallows that uh, when the players win i spread the lucky charms marshmallows all over the table and <laughs> and, and then we eat them dave uh, has a tendency to drop big messes on the game night lounge tables 
Dave drops a big mess. <laughs> he blew up a drum set on our front steps, or I mean, on our the sidewalk outside of our place. Well, the, the sto- Jesus. well, there's a couple of stories about that. The, the first one is until about an hour before the game, I was planning on doing it indoors. Mm. Uh, <laughs> and, and then uh, once again, there's a lawyer. Did, <laughs> well, that's why I figured I could handle whatever flat came my way. Is is, is again, you know, once you know the rules, you, you know how to color outside the lines. But but. Uh, Daniel Pickens Jones convinced me that outdoors was was maybe a better choice, and uh, but the fireworks were illegal in Oregon, uh, so I had a friend uh, import them from Washington, and at the table it was a it was an adventure based on the rock band The Who. And Keith Moon, the drummer of The Who, used to destroy his drum kit at the end of uh, shows, and in fact, that's how Pete Townsend got uh, deafened. Mm-hmm. Is on I think it was uh, maybe the Ed Sullivan show. Uh, Keith Moon put too much gunpowder into the drum kit and Townsend was standing right in front of it when it blew and so I was sort of paying homage to that and that was the big boss fight at the end was that the drum kit got possessed and there was a uh, some alchemist fire in the room and I, I represented that with the firecracker and I was lucky enough to have at my table an actual unnamed Multnomah County circuit judge yeah, uh, that's right. And so he, uh, when we went outside to blow up the drum kit, I made sure it was the judge who was lighting the fuse because th- between me as the lawyer and him as the judge, we were safe. I don't right. know if that's going to hold up in court. <laughs> <laughs> as long as it was outside, it's fine. But even <laughs> even with all your gifts, you'd have a hard time passing up lighting off fireworks at game night. Well, my 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 daughter uh, actually spent about four or five hours building this drum kit, mm. and it wasn't until after she was done that I informed her that it was meant to be destroyed. And <laughs> what a and dick! <laughs> That's such a dad move. To this to this day, she has not really forgiven me. So we have a tendency to ask everyone this question, and sometimes it's great, and sometimes it is very revealing. Um, if you had to pick a race and a class from D&D to represent you, what do you think it would be? Well, being a, a DM for basically my whole life, uh, I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull a lawyerly answer and, and not give you a straight one. It's not going to be a race and class. It's going to be a monster. Because mm. uh, I, I don't really... I don't really um, I'll take it. I'll take it. Well, I don't, I, you know, I don't identify as a player character. Let's just be yeah, honest. Okay. Um, and I get that. Uh, so I'd say something like a Rakshasa mm-hmm. or a or a Mind Flayer, Ooh, maybe. Um, you know, I like the Rakshasa. It's a feline and also, oh, yeah. you know, has a little mind control action. Mm-hmm. Kind of becomes fond of people, although, you know, manipulates them a little bit. Uh, also backwards thumbs. Yeah. Very <laughs> revenge. Oh, the whole hand. The whole thing fucking thing's upside down. Yeah. Oh, upside down. Yeah. And, and you know, so I, I'd say that or or just a straight mind, mind flayer where you just uh, convince people to do things they didn't mm. want to do originally. Uh, and it's not that you're – I don't really think the mind flayers are evil. I just think they're different. I, I, I think they're misunderstood. Yeah. That's fair. I mean, there's a little brain eating, but like, yeah. But I mean, who who doesn't? I would yeah, say seriously. At, like at this point in the evening, I can safely say I feel like my brain has been devoured. So, that's <laughs> so all. got the melithid hickeys, and there you have it. Yeah, I think uh, they're from a human culture. Mind flayers are evil, but I want to read their look, their version of history. You know? Look, hey, there's got to be like a vegetarian equivalent mind flayer where mm-hmm. they're like, I only eat uh, dead people's well, brains. I can tell you that <laughs> that's the, the vegetarian. It's as close as they'll fucking get. I'm <laughs> getting. The cows don't like me. I mean, if you ask the cows, like I'm not a good guy. Yeah, the books know? written by cows are talking about how the humans are yeah, the, the mind flayers. So I'd I'd give those elithids a second look. Yeah, fair, fair enough. Fair enough. I like that. I like that. We're definitely not going to get into the subjectivity of evil here. Like, oh no, or happen. or even just meat eating. Like, that's that's way too much. 
So why don't you give us a list of some things you would like the listeners to look up to find out more about the things you're working on, perhaps like you know modules you've published? Or... <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I encourage anyone who's in the Portland area or who is traveling here to see if you can come visit us at Orcs, Orcs, Orcs. Fuck yeah. We, mm-hmm. we do uh, at least one a month, sometimes two a month, and occasional special events. Uh, we appear at the local conventions and uh it's a really good time i uh, i recommend coming we have an incredible stable of dms uh no matter who you play with you're guaranteed to have a good time it's, it's a literal stable yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah moo <laughs> we just pack them in with hay and buckets and let them shit wherever <laughs> and uh no and, i'm, I'm, I'm proud and don't to... get me wrong they would leave but they're all just too socially awkward <laughs> right no, it's, it's true uh I'm, I'm proud to be part of it and uh it, it's it's always a good time we uh we we doesn't matter if you've ever played before or if you played for 40 years like myself uh we we show you a good time the the food is great the drinks are great and, and the gaming is good uh and also we have a side project where we published a few modules one of which i wrote called down the hole another which law wrote called cult of the maw that i helped edit we're working on one right now that we're hoping to release in the next uh month or two it's so fucking good i kind of want to do it on it you yeah. Ooh. I, I mean I, you've already done Cult of the Ma. You can yeah, do but it. I didn't write this one. Well, I don't want I don't want to ruin anything, but it is a horror themed uh adventure. Uh, and uh it's written by Dan Smith, who runs one of these literally writes rooms. puzzles for a living. Yes. Yes. Oh. Yes. And uh and so I'm I'm helping to edit that and so is Law on yeah, the Yeah, I did uh, some stat blocks and magic items stuff. Yeah, like. and and so keep an eye out for that and it's all available at orcsworks.com or on our social media however one would find that. I'm still not sure about that. <laughs> <laughs> it's orcs, orcs, orcs on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Whatever that means. Hashtag yes. Orcs, orcs, orcs. <laughs> Yes. And yeah, I, I actually this is one of the first times we've had to do a couple like right back to back, which is a little extra work for me. So I'm like throwing together a menu as fast as I can for the upcoming one. But it's going to be good. Are you DMing for this coming one? I, I'm not. I'm I'm actually uh, going to see a. I'm going to go to see the San Francisco 49ers and the Seahawks next Monday night. I'm, it's a it's a work trip with with some investment bankers, so it's not exactly going to be a good time. Choosing but. sports over D and D. Well, yeah, I'm, it's a it's a it's a work obligation. Um, and so. now I see why you like luck so much. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I could think of work work obligation no yeah. no th- this one isn't so bad uh and also i i didn't know where to go with that theme i figured mm-hmm. i'm probably the least awoken or whatever it's called person and in, in <laughs> i am be- just woke <laughs> i am not bewaked yeah no i'm asleep as far as that whole thing goes and so i i figured i'd leave that dming to people who uh who, who are able to really uh, manifest it what is the theme uh it's uncaged there's a series of like adventurers and and short stories and stuff kind of written from like the perspective of the monsters like like Ooh. talking about the story like we were talking about with mind flares almost like that kind of ties in a little bit but isn't it in the from the perspective of women is yes it, no it's a it's a it's the female side of things we're not monsters like, by the way we're, we're not no that. i just mean like some of the stories in particular like the tale of like from the medusa side of things uh-huh. and please look it up because i am actually not super versed in it i didn't have time to read all the details but everything i saw was like beautiful artwork really good writing i'm, I'm excited to learn more about it i've been having to focus on the food and not the dming side of things um so Thank you for joining us on D20 Questions, where we dragon egg your car and TPK your house. (laughs) Uh. (laughs) Well, thanks for having me, guys.
Absolutely. Thanks for coming. Uh, for those of you out there, we're going to make sure to check out this episode of D21 Side. It's going to be on our Patreon. If you haven't joined our Patreon yet and you've been listening to all the episodes of D20 Questions. What's wrong with you? There's a lot of stuff you're missing out on. The one sides <laughs> are so funny. They are. We really cut loose. We we have no like no guidelines or anything. We just talk about whatever feels good. I would actually argue that it is funny if the episode was less funny, and it is uh, less funny if the episode was there, funny. There is like I a weird ratio thing. Yeah, like it, it seems like when we're really serious in the episode, then we're like super goofy on one side. But if we're like just goofballs in it, then we get like really analytical and talk mm-hmm. some real shit. Um, so please check that out. And of course, check out League of Ultimate Questing if you haven't yet. That would be really weird. I'm positive that that led you here and not the other way around. Yeah. Uh, but it's on slapdashstudios.com. You can find links to all of our social media. You can listen to all the episodes wherever podcasts are available. They come out every Monday. <clears throat> D20 Questions comes out whenever we fucking feel like it. Yeah. Because we have lives. and it's Like a- we genuinely thought it was a good idea to like have two major podcast obligations before we had, you know, a way to get paid to do those podcast <laughs> obligations. Right. And we still believe that's true, but just not with encroaching timelines that we have to stress about. So they're, we're still going to keep making them, but just when it's good. Their 10-foot reach exceeds their grasp. <laughs> it does indeed. 